Hello world, we're Big Gay Nerds, and welcome to the first gameplay episode of Under Hollow Hills. I am Owen, your Mistress of Ceremonies, and despite the title, my pronouns are he and him. I'm the founder and editor of Big Gay Nerds, and joining me today we have Vanessa. Hi, uh, pronouns she, her, and I exist in the void. Hello. <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's what we all call New York. Yes, that's what New York is. It's just the void. Just the void. New York isn't whatever anybody tells you. New York is not real. You hear me? It is not real. <laughs> and then we have Fern. Hi, everyone. My name is Fern. Uh, he, they pronouns, and I, you can find me at Veryfern on Twitter. And, and I live in Florida. Oh, <laughs> un, an uncomfortably real state. An uncomfortably yeah. real Very real state. <laughs> and uh, then joining me in the state of West Virginia, we have Pixie. <laughs> Hello, I'm Pixie. Um, I exist in a different void from Vanessa. <laughs> the other void. It's void adjacent. <laughs> yes, void adjacent. A liminal space. Yes. <laughs> okay, and so um, we are playing Under Hollow Hills uh, by Megway and D. Vincent Baker. And uh, the reason that there is like, well, Okay, so from your perspective, if you're listening to this a little while down the line, um, you didn't notice a gap in this, but we were going to release an episode of this last week, um, and then the day we were going to record with our sort of patched together, um, like, like Patreon pre-release snippets, mm -hmm. it turned out that they were, that, like, that night the bakers were going to release like a complete <laughs> pre-release book. And so I was like, you know what? We should wait until we've got the full rules. And that turned out to be a good idea because um, while the central mechanics are still the same, something's definitely got changed up. And there, there is like uh, some specific prompt material for pretty much the exact sort of play scenario that I'm doing here. So it turned out to be pretty relevant. I think the only thing that would be noticeable as a change if you listen to the previous episode is that uh, the title of Vanessa's playbook was changed. It was the Firefly Whift, and now it is the Lantern Jack. You know, exactly. new, new name just dropped. New DLC. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and also in that meantime, everyone has figured out, like, what their characters' names and looks and moves are. However, um, I say, instead of doing the usual start of the episode introduction, maybe we can sort of weave that into play, because I've got some things in mind. Ooh. Sounds fun. Exciting. Okay, so um, this episode. Wait, no, that's not what. That's not the word I would use. Okay, so <laughs> the story we are going to tell together begins in 
fairyland, the mystical space underneath the hollow hills. And uh, as the name implies, under those hollow hills, there is a traveling circus, a caravan of festive and strange carts that are currently rumbling down the King's Road. The King's Road is wide, straight, and stone-paved, as regal as its name implies. It runs through a meadow of wild grasses and flowers that stretches out to the horizon, where the tree-line of a deciduous forest sits at a respectful distance. At one point, perhaps at this meadow's center, the King's Road crosses the Witch's Road, a narrow, twisting, and muddy path. It is at this crossroads that the Goblin Market has been erected, with carts, tents, and stalls lining both roads and forming their own unmarked alleyways and cul-de-sacs. Each inch of space seems occupied by some garish display or decoration. Every second of time seems filled by raucous calls and chatter. And, of course, there are the goblins— each strange in their own way, unified only by short stature and vaguely animalistic features. It is high summer, a fairy season that has failed or refused to abdicate its reign to autumn. The air is heavy with stagnant heat, and the surrounding meadow vibrates with the calls of a million insects. So, as your carts approach, you will have a chance to stop and disembark, but first... I want to take a step back and give a little context to this situation. Um, so the circus under Hollow Hills sort of travels about, and sometimes it just kind of shows up at places, and sometimes it comes when it is called. And this is one of the latter cases, because you have been invited to be the entertainment for the final night of the Goblin Market. And uh, you have been invited specifically um, in the name of the King of the Meadow, who is the host of the market this year. And actually, you know what? I'm going to have to step back again and explain a little bit more, because it's possible that you might have entertained at the Goblin Market before. But if so, it wasn't here, because here's the thing... So here's the thing. The Goblin Market always takes place at the crossroad of the King's Road and the Witch's Road. But that isn't always at the same place, because while the King's Road carves a very straight and certain path through Fairyland, the Witch's Road doesn't always lead to the same place each time you take it, as the name would imply. And so each year when the Goblin Market comes around... Um, that intersection could be at numerous points throughout Fairyland. And this year, it has arrived in this big, spacious meadow. Um, so, and I think that is about uh, all the context that your characters necessarily have at this point. So, as your uh, various carts and wagons... Um, pull into, let's say, just, you know, the center of this crossroads. Um, their various pack animals stop, and you disembark one by one. And so, uh, whoever stops first, um, name and describe your character. 
as they hop out of your cart. And say what your cart looks like, too, while we're at it. Who would be the first to... Who would be most eager to, like, jump out and uh, assess the situation here? Uh, I, Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think my character would. Little okay, then. ball of sparks here. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so the wagon you see is kind of made of dark mahogany. It's got quite a bit of, like various colored um, fabrics kind of draped over it. Not necessarily as curtains. It kind of looks like somebody uh, rummaged through a spare fabric basket and just kind of <laughs> stapled it to this beautiful carriage and just kind of ruined it. Like, they're covering all the nice, like, carvings and moldings. No, 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 no. You need to see this puke green piece of square cloth. And it is on there. <laughs> and when it rolls to its little stop, um, it's being pulled by uh, a big uh, beetle. Haven't decided yet. I totally forgot what it was. Should have written it down. <laughs> um, but you know, a nice big beetle having a good time. A stately young beetle. And um, the door just kind of flies open. And then my little lantern jack comes flying out the back of it because it doesn't actually need doors, but it wanted to be dramatic. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of just settles down, little sparks kind of going here and there because it's kind of just, you know, the kind of energy you feel build in your chest when you're about to do a very funny prank. That's basically what this is personified. <laughs> but as a ball of sparks, just kind of shooting off now and then and in such a way that it makes you slightly uneasy, like it's going to light the grass around it on fire. But don't worry, it never gets there. It might smoke a little, but it'll never actually get there, maybe. So <laughs> it comes out, looks upon the meadow and just happily exclaims, ah, yes, this is my spot. This is perfect for the esteemed excellence number Q of the great quadratic function. High sky flyer miles. But if you can't pronounce all that, I am also scurvy. Excellent. Okay, and you so just announce that to any like goblins or like market goers who happen to be standing nearby. Exactly. Which is excellent. Yes, um, just absolutely I've announcing it to the world. I think one or two individuals who are especially receptive to this sort of thing might do a little clap. Um, <laughs> who gets out next? Um, I think it might be uh, my cart. So next to this beautiful cart that is also covered in less beautiful uh, cloth uh, is <laughs> uh, this like dingy a uh, small cart with a really pissy little donkey. <laughs> uh, just like this donkey is is done with all of it. Uh, stands up next to the uh, and pulls up next to the beetle. Um, and um, I'm not inside the cart uh, because I'm I'm driving the donkey. Uh, I kind of just like step down and this is a human uh, fair uh, I'm gonna use fey fair uh, pronouns for the human this is the first time I'm using them like in uh, spoken word so uh, I might make some mistakes but uh, fair is uh, has uh, dark hair uh, 
pulled back into a uh, pony ponytail and uh, really big green eyes. Uh, Fair uh, where wears a jacket that is actually it's a army jacket, but it's tied around um, for shoulders like a cape. Nice. Um, and uh, uh, this is uh, Sinead Buchanan. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Faye does not announce it to. And it's just like, uh, are you sure this is where this is the center of where we're performing? Are you sure this is where you want to put your your carriage, <laughs> scurvy? Mm, yes. This is the place. Just look at it. It's in the middle of everything. <laughs> Besides, we can, we can put our carriages involved and make it a part of the whole circus and the spinning and the whatnot and oh. All right, then. Um, well, you're definitely starting to draw like a little crowd here. Um, I think by now you're possibly seeing someone tall and important approaching you from uh, just off stage, let's say. But before they can actually arrive, we've got one more cart to unload. There's probably actually, like, let's establish something real quick. Um, are you traveling with, like, NPC performers, or is it just the three of you here? You can gather NPCs to help you perform when the performance actually kicks in, but, like, either way, are you part of, like, a larger group right now? That was what I was thinking. Same. That there okay. would be... Okay, well then we'll assume that they're off to the side and not getting quite as much like camera attention. <laughs> but this is definitely, this last one is definitely someone who uh, deserves and demands attention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. So the last carriage that pulls up is uh, considerably larger than either of the first two. It is made of a dark shining wood uh, glints in the, is it, what, what time of day is it again? Is it? It is, um, it's about midday. It is, and because it's high summer, like, the sun is, like, directly above you, and it feels like, (laughs) it feels like someone is, like, pulling a lamp down towards you in, like, an interrogation. (laughs) (laughs) So it it is gleaming in the sun, as, um, as are the two, uh, dapple, dark dapple geldings that, um, that pull it. There is no driver, um, the geldings seem to know where they're going, um, of their own accord. Um, and it, it does not pull up directly near the other two wagons. It, despite its grandeur, it pulls off to the side. Um, mm. um, and then the silk curtain, uh, when the door opens, this, there's a silk curtain on the inside as yes. well. And yes. it parts as, um, a tall figure steps out of the the wagon um they are dressed in a long sweeping coat uh, much 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 too warm for the weather um <laughs> and their their hair is almost as long as their coat uh it is shaggy and wild a little wild looking um kind of, like in a, in a in a way that looks like it is supposed to be. It's not just unkempt. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and they their eyes are are dark like the depths of a pond at night um and they step forward uh approaching the figures that are gathering and do um a sweeping bow they say nothing all right though uh to the audience uh, what name would be on their playbill if we're looking at this? I just realized I'm really leaning into the idea of this being a play, even though I'm not using all of the imagery involved. <laughs> um, so it, the audience would know them if the audience knows them, which the audience might know them, <laughs> as they may know the name The Nightmare Horse. Da, da, da. But on the playbill, they are also referred to as Pure Moontide. All right. Well, okay, so um, obviously there's a whole lot of people coming to check out the new arrivals. Um, as stated, a lot of them are goblins, which are short. And um, so the way I picture them, at least, is um, sometimes in like old fairy tales, goblins are actually just described as like little people with like animal heads. <laughs> um, what I've sort of arrived at is less like anthropomorphic animal and more like if you took a humanish face and sort of squished its proportions into the proportions of animal features hmm. which is definitely weird looking that is weird looking <laughs> i love it i love yeah. it but the crowd parts and there are two figures approaching you um one of them is very much a goblin and uh she is dressed in somewhat uh, official-looking clothes, um, <laughs> and is uh, her general countenance is that is sort of that of not even necessarily a frog, but like a caricature of a frog, as it were. She's got sort of a round, egg-shaped body, no mm -hmm. neck, then wide mouth and eyes that are practically on top of her head. Um. And then, you know, like, very, like, long and skinny legs. Like, to be, like, to be honest, like, Dr. Robotnik is not very far <laughs> removed from Adorable. this person in terms of general proportions. And uh, she is eyeing you up with what you can uh, already tell is... Uh, it's, there's there's some judgment visible in those big ol' eyes. The other person is very much not a goblin. Um, you can automatically tell, at least, okay, so at least the two fairy people here, and probably also uh, Shanid can uh, just tell right away this person is fairy nobility. Um, he is, actually, let me, I've got official write-ups, and I show I should be using those. Um, he's tall and slender, and he's dressed all in green. That's just a shade darker than his own green skin. He wears a crown of white gold with long points that radiate out like sunbeams. All his other decorations are wildflowers, but they're arranged like jewelry on his person. And Ooh. these are definitely wildflowers that are, like, vivid enough to, like, be a suitable substitute for, like, fine gems and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, as he, uh, approaches you, you know, everyone gives him space, um, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't bow to you, because you can tell that he is used to being the recipient of bows, but he sort of waves an arm in a welcoming way, and he says, Welcome to the 158th Goblin Market 
hosted by me, the King of the Meadow. So, uh, how do you play this? Sinead is going to awkwardly bow. (laughs) The nightmare horse kneels before saying anything. Okay. Um, Scurvy kind of like half forms a humanoid body to make a bow, but unfortunately they don't quite connect all the bits that should be connected. So it's like there's like a space in between the arms and the legs and the torso. (laughs) And just kind of bow like that. Is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. Um, To be a little more uh, direct, um, does anyone want to make a play in this moment? Because uh, and you know what, um, I'm going. If you don't mind, I can be a little like handholdy here and point out the ones that could be relevant. You don't have to. I just want to be a person illustrating things both for new players and people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, an early in for this sort of situation would be uh, if you want to um, size when you're first meeting someone, you can always size them up to get answers about them. Um, If you want to be uh, more general, you can sniff the wind to find out things about the general situation. And then, of course, if you want to be more forward, you can always... um, Touch them with iron. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight up go for it. Just do it. That would, that would definitely be a power move. Um, Goblin market speed run, just kill the host. I'm gonna size up the size up the the, the frog lady. Okay, sure. Um, yes, th- so roll and what with whatever bonus or malice you have to that. Okay, so I have the size them up. I put negative one. Great, I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Um, and what are we rolling? Uh, oh yeah. Oh, I totally realized it is standard, uh, powered by the apocalypse. So 2d6 plus the modifier. Okay, cool. Seven. Hey. Wait, no. What? Yeah, it's seven. Yeah, seven. It's seven. You got it. Okay, then. Cool. So, uh, for getting a hit, ask them one. What do you intend to do? How far you're prepared to go? Where are you confident and where are you uncertain? And what do you hope will happen? What do you fear and how prepared are you for each? Um, you don't need to actually speak or interact with them to get this result, though you can if that's mm-hmm. how you want to play it. Um, and but otherwise, it's just something you can do from a quick look. So um, how are you approaching this and what question do you want to ask? Uh... uh- Sinead is kind of doing this quietly for once in my entire life I've created a character <laughs> that is that that's not talk first ask questions later <laughs> um, uh, Sinead is kind of just like is like narrowing uh, fair eyes and uh, looking at this person uh, and the question that I'm going to find out is uh, what are you confident the, the one that was like what are you the most confident of okay yeah it's actually a two for uh, where are you confident and where are you uncertain oh, cool. so okay yeah that's um, that is something interesting. Um, okay, so how do I convey this? There's always some fun, I think, in these sort of information gathering mm-hmm. things, um, figuring out how your character would actually get this stuff. Um, 
I think that... Um, Okay, so uh, where she is most confident, um, you can tell that this is a person of some authority within the market, and she is confident in her position. Um, oh. Where she's not confident is uh, you. <laughs> and by you, I mean you as a group. <laughs> um, she, uh, like, you can tell she is, um, she has a certain degree of confidence in whatever role she has that causes her to be uh, like brushing elbows with a king right now but she's looking over you all right now and there is like I said there's some judgment in there um I think that perhaps even though you're subtle about this um I think that it's not necessarily prompted by what you did but I think thematically it makes a lot of sense that uh after you bow um, the king of the meadow says, um, yes, yes, very good. And here is my associate for this festival, Madame Crowthrower, overseer of entertainment and games, who will be dealing most directly with you. And then uh, he turns to her and he says, um, now I told you they'd be most impressive. Did I not look? The nightmare horse is here. Um, and she, um, and she like, I keep signing you up for a second and then just sort of like nods and says, yes, I can certainly see how they would appeal to you. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the king, if he obviously does not detect any sort of subtlety in that so he just says splendid now obviously i am delighted to meet you all but i have many things to attend to at this time however uh as you will be our guests here i think it is only fair to outlaw sorry to outline the laws governing this market and they are. He pulls out, like, the scroll and unfurls it. Very, you know, uh, I'm not sure what, theatrically, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it says, <clears throat> First law, render tribute to the regent, lest there would be no means of compensating the host for uh, accommodating such an endeavor. Uh, luckily... You need not pay me now, uh, as it stands to reason that everyone's pockets shall be fuller at the closing of ceremonies. But after then, it is customary for me to receive a, I believe a cut, was the term, <laughs> a of the proceeds. That, that sounds... Even more regal. I shall use commission from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Next, still all mistemper. This is a place of peace and trade, not of quarreling and violence. So if you feel that you have been wronged in some way, then surely there are more civilized ways to resolve it. 
And of course, to this end, we do also have our peacekeepers employed to maintain this order. If you see them about, they're the ones carrying the clubs. And finally, let nothing go unpaid for. This is a place of trade, and the principles of bargain and commerce are to be observed. But at the same time, it is important that you not simply, no matter how generous your heart is, it is requisite that you receive compensation, or else the whole, the entire principle of thing will be thrown out of array. And with that, he folds the, he like furls the scroll back up and says, if you have any more need of me, I shall be in the administrative tent, and he waves a hand, and there is a, you can see over the roofs of the various other stalls and carts that there is in fact a tent that looks like it's at least two stories tall, but also like not any wider than like a regular camping tent. <laughs> um, and, uh, and of course, I am looking forward to your performance, which, oh, I'd realize I should secure a ticket right now. Um, who here is, is anyone here distributing them? I believe that is on one second. This is out of character. I think that's a scurvy thing. One second. It's definitely, I'm pretty, I think it's something that uh, they Lantern can do. Lantern Jack yes. does a novel trees, trinkets, tickets, and refreshments. Okay, cool. Okay, then. I think I'm going to say any of you could potentially do that just as part of, like, gameplay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that does sound like it could be Scurvy's role. So, how do you... Do you... <clears throat> like, how do you respond to that then, Scurvy? Oh, with great fervor, just kind of <laughs> reassembles back into my little ball of energy and electricity that's sparking and just uh -huh. very quickly just kind of circles around uh, the king of the meadow for a moment and then in a little burst of sparks that fall gently over and not lighting anything on fire, this is specific, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> a little ticket with decorated with embellished and f um, flowery writing falls gently into their outwaiting hands. And Excellent. just for the 158th Goblin Market Circus performance for you, <laughs> my good sir. All right. And of course, in return, I believe these tickets typically go for a shaving. That is correct. All right. He, um, he plucks... Um, one of his, like, very fancy flowers off of, like, where a brooch would normally be, and he plucks off a petal and, like, hands it down to you. Ah, uh, I create a hand to take it, and then it just kind of <laughs> disappears into the little ball, and then I go shooting back over to everyone, just, ha, first payment, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> the image that I had of that, you know, the, the banks with the cats where the paw comes out? Yes, yes that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> scurvy, just, scurvy just at the end of everything just opens up and vomits everybody's shaving. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yes. exactly. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> where do you keep that you don't want to know <laughs> or do you want to know I can tell you for five hours if you'll sit straight 
All right. Um, well, then. Um, yes. Well, with that little exchange um, carried out, he straightens up, because I think he definitely had to, like, bend over a bit <laughs> to reach you. And he says, well, splendid. Uh, if you need any information about setting up, you can speak with uh, Madame Croakthrower here. Uh, but, of course... Uh, otherwise, you are welcome to enjoy the market and all of its festivities until time. it is time for your performance. And I think with that, he just sort of like waves another hand, less in a welcoming way and more in a like goodbye sort of way. <laughs> and he saunters off. And so you are left uh, with every like... With him gone, the crowds of the market are sort of, like, filling back into their normal roots and starting to, like, shove around. Um, Madame Croakthrower is there, and she is sort of on standby, but also maybe perhaps uh, you would be able to tell from the just prying at her that she is not necessarily in a hurry to help you out. So you don't, you are not obligated to talk to her next before you can exit the tutorial level. <laughs> so. Well, I think the nightmare horse is going to, though. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, they, they stand once the, um, what was the title of the... Madam Crook for oh no not not her the king the, of the meadow king, oh king king okay uh, once the king leaves they stand and they they approach slowly um, and they catch uh, Madam Crookthrower's eye and and give kind of a lopsided smile understated um, <laughs> I am attempting to draw her out okay nice that sounds Ooh, good that's exciting well then go ahead and roll with Lish. your uh, plus two Ooh. yes yes Ooh. sorry for my chair noise i really need to get a new one i got a three and a one. Oh damn oh. <laughs> really three one plus two okay so that is that is it's a been six. a long journey <laughs> okay let's see um so on a miss, ask the MC what goes wrong, um, and I'm going to take the option to choose one anyway, but be prepared for the worst. Uh -oh, Perhaps I you've see. revealed yourself to them instead. So mm. the options are, what are you can you can ask them, um, what are you considering, where are you open to me, where are you vulnerable, and where are you guarded, what are you forgetting, ignoring, or keeping from yourself, what do you hope I'll do, what are you afraid I'll do. What do you expect, and how do you feel about it? Hmm. Had I done better, I probably would have asked about hoping or being afraid. Um, mm -hmm. But in this case, I think I'm just gonna... I want to know what she expects and how she feels about it. Like, what is... what? How does she really think this is going to go? Okay, nice. Um, so, I think you come and look her in the eye, and... You know, at, she is, uh, she is, uh, drawn out, but you don't like what she has to say, because when she finds that she very fully has your attention, she sort of sighs and and just says outright to you, uh, listen, Pierre, what was it? 
Moontide. <laughs> Moontide. Um, I am sure that yours is a fine circus, but as someone who has been officiating entertainment at this market for quite some time, I might as well tell you right now that my expectations are not high. <laughs> and so I think that that sort of says, gives both of those answers in one. What she expects is a subpar performance, and what she thinks about it is she's disappointed. So I am going to say that because of this, you may consider yourself affronted. Oh, let me, let me look at, because I'm down on the plays, let me look at what I can do in response to an affront. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's based, it's like, uh, affronts are the same as, like, wounds. Yes, when your wound is shocked, affronted, or dismayed, you must immediately choose one. You die, you withdraw <laughs> at once in a cold, dignified fury. You writhe, moan, and curse in a display of melodramatic agony. You step immediately and fully to winter. Or you consider yourself cruelly mistreated and maimed and will long nurse your injuries and your grudge. Well, I was going to do one of those anyway. <laughs> so, uh, it, I, I will um, withdraw in a cold fury. Uh, before I do, I will say, very well, I understand your position. Um, but I do think that we will prove you quite wrong in the end. And All right. Is they that... Step oh, um, I'm going to say, is that you potentially uh, putting them off? Uh, hold on, let me look at what... I'm having yeah, to I, scroll I, back I will, and forth. Uh, let's see. Um, the result is, like, they have to back off and give you time and space. Actually, wait, I just realized you have to immediately do one of those things. So maybe yeah, like, so, you don't yeah, have time I was to gonna, do something that was, before you That withdraw. was a parting shot. At, gotcha. At, okay. And now, like, they're going to, now they're going to stalk off into the shade of a tree and, like, put, like, <laughs> lean with one hand against it. And then, like, <laughs> it's this heat. It's too damn hot. <laughs> they're not well, going to take their coat off. <laughs> Well, you are in the middle of the meadow, but there is a single, um, actually rather impressively tall tree um, that is growing uh, right nearby that is looming over and giving a bit of shade to um, currently just the part right beneath it because it's noon. But you would have one would have to assume that as the day goes on, the shadow sort of shifts around like a, a sundial, and so different parts of the market are getting a little bit of relief at different parts mm. of the day. I see. So, um, while the nightmare horse is off sulking, um, how do <laughs> how do the other two react? Are you going to try and uh, sh like show this? Uh, I think rather opinionated manager what for or just go do other things <laughs> uh, I think as Moontide passes uh, uh, Moontide no don't okay <laughs> um, and I think like uh, uh, Sinead is going to with the the rest of the the workers do the thing that uh uh Faye does best which is uh uh put their hand put uh put your hand to it 
which is basically I I turned my hand and I'm going to like set up a good stage. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So uh, there is actually a little bit of so okay. So let me descri- let me zoom out a little bit and mm-hmm. describe the market okay. more or less. It's all kind of a chaotic jumble. However, from the point you are right now, um, you can get a general sense for its uh, quadrants, as it were. Um, the King's Road goes from north to south, and the Witch's Road kind of goes from east to west in a roundabout Ish. manner. Eventually, <laughs> it's going to get east or west, mm-hmm. um, depending on which way you're going. East. Um, <laughs> um, so... Up in the northwest corner, there uh, the Witch's Road kind of does a little curve that winds up creating sort of a um, uh, because of the way the shops uh, line it, it sort of winds up creating this sort of central open space that's surrounded by shops. Um, and so there's sort of like a central green where there is already a bit of a raised platform, uh, where you can perform. So that's presumably, uh, what, what you're working with right now. Um, but to, uh, complete the tour, um, over in the Southwest, there is a bunch of stalls that look pretty much the same as everything else, except, um, visually and, uh, like sound wise it's pretty much the same but smell wise you can tell there's a lot of food over there Hell that's yeah. maybe that's kind of the food court as it were um in the northeast um things are looking pretty much the same but like through the tents you could glance what looks like an actual little house in there like with a foundation so that's interesting hmm. um and to the south, and to the southeast, um, that's where the management tent is, among other things. But the tent's obviously the major landmark. So anyway, so jumping back, right? Um, so you are doing this, and you're doing this with um, with the help of workers. Are these um, are these other traveling circus folk, or are you, or do you think that you're working alongside help from the market? Uh, probably a little smattering of both gotcha. uh, people that okay. knows know how the market works and people that know how the circus works and I am also helping <laughs> okay then um, well uh, yes go and make that roll then okay let me do that one second plus two Hey, I got a nine. Nice. Okay. So I don't have that move right in front of me. What does a nine get you? So um, let me pull it up. It's right here. Um, So when I turn my hand to something um, on a task or endeavor, on any hit, you accomplish it. You have the patience born of deep, deep impatience, a cool and artful surety on... Deep, born of deep panic and is the true magic of the justice of your cause uh i don't Wait, have are a... these like are these like bullet points uh no it's okay, in a little just... paragraph next to the place okay just making sure these weren't like options yeah so okay. the, 
that's the that's the that's on any hit um and then the other things are on a 10 plus hit and on a miss okay so you definitely do it and so it's maybe not the fastest job setting up and so i think you're going to be a little bit busy doing this for a little while Mm -hmm. um but yes you are going about it and i think that you know there's some various handy folk from the caravan that are assisting you but there are also like a handful of just like worker goblins who just kind of uh congregate wherever work is happening and start like you know going at it. I'm picturing them as like little guys with sort of I know I was saying like humanish features, but I'm picturing guys with sort of like beetle heads. How cute. And like overalls and stuff. Excellent. Uh, they just they just got like little belts with like hammers in them and like when they hear hammering, they're just gonna start joining in. I love um, them. However, I'm just going to like uh you know what? This isn't something that is going to be settled right this moment in the fiction, but might as well address it while it's pertinent. When they are done, due to the laws, laws. of it, they are going to expect payment. So, um, yes. how are you, how will you how do you plan on compensating them for their handiwork? Um, I think since I'm a human, uh, I'll tell them all my true name, which is Sinead Buchanan. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a. Would you describe that as like, say, maybe a shaving of truth? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like at this point, I've definitely like eaten fairy food and told fairies my true name enough (laughs) that it's fine. Um, So (laughs) it's funny. I actually took notes uh, just in case that there were going to be a lot of rules, but there weren't. But Mm -hmm. it's okay. I have. (laughs) But they ended up in character. Pay up after. Play nice, parentheses, there are cops. <laughs> and don't steal or give away. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that sounds, uh, yep, that sounds all in order. So um, with um, with uh, Sinead being very productive and um, Moontide being very not productive, um, where is Scurvy going to fall? <laughs> scurvy is doing what Scurvy does best. Oh, no. Causing mayhem. No, oh, not no. Really. Okay. <laughs> Mostly right. just kind of going well, through the stalls and drumming up, like, you know, um, excitement for the um, event, probably throwing out little flyers here and there, like, look at this, mm-hmm. look at that. We are going to be performing here soon, and you will love it. I promise okay, you that you'll love nice. it. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's see. Are you, go- are you doing this via a particular play? Perchance? That's what I was looking at here. Um, da, 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 da. I'm, Are you tripping it gaily through the stalls? <laughs> <laughs> you you could definitely do that, and that would be a good way to draw attention. Um, let's see. Uh, you could say you could try and like draw draw someone out, like directed towards the market in general, um, and. <laughs> I was briefly wondering if you could waylay someone with it. Um, I think I think maybe in a different circumstance you honestly could like attack someone with celebration, but um, that's not necessarily um, uh, that you could even play it as like confronting. But uh, trip it gaily is definitely a good way to put it. Yeah, if you want to do it that way. I was thinking trip it gaily. Okay, then. Um, that is a big, complicated move, so go and roll. <laughs> Let's see how well it goes. Oh, and actually, one quick thing. Um, because the 
<coughs> pardon, because the uh, market is divided the way it is, what area are you doing this in? Um, probably in the uh, food area, because in the other area, there's like actual like commerce going on, maybe haggling, things like that. So people are a little mm. more focused. But in the food area, your people are just enjoying what they're having, things like that. So they're probably a little more amenable to, uh, you know, this little ball gotcha. of light just kind of screeching. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 2d6. All right. Hey! Ooh, nice. Okay, so what do you get on 11? On uh, any hit, choose as many of the following as you like in any order, <laughs> repeating freely and as quickly as you can, and with the yes. finale, go! <laughs> oh, okay, <Jesus>. yes. <laughs> All right, so I am I will give you a moment to, like, pick out a list of what you want to do. Okay. Um, And if you'd like, I can list off some targets, but otherwise, since, so, like, as established, um, most of these, the things on your list, have you doing something towards someone or something. You can just throw out, like, the name of a person or establishment that sounds plausible here. Um, or I can, you know, I can throw some fodder at you. <laughs> okay. And as established, like, on any hit, everyone has to, like, watch you, right? That's one of the things. Uh, all uh, present yes. must watch you whether or not you hit. <clears throat> okay, cool. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> the getting attention part, you've got that locked in, and the next is the rest is just flavor. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, everybody's either going to pay attention because what I'm doing is really cool or really cringe. <laughs> <laughs> so either way, <laughs> honestly, being deemed cringe would could be enough to kill a fairy. Exactly. <laughs> that's what happened. That's what happened to Moontide. <laughs> oh, Moontide. You got caught posting cringe. Bro, you posted cringe, Moontide. <laughs> so let's see. My triple gaily roll. Da, da, da. All was present. Wish watch you. In any order, repeating freely as quickly as you can. Okay. And with a finale. <laughs> and with a finale. Well, we'll figure one that one out because it's also a surprise to me. <clears throat> So, I leap to the top of a local food stall and I seize hold of a large churro to use as a megaphone from a local stall. I then <laughs> dive to the ground and flutter daintily to and fro amongst the stalls, making sure everybody's keeping their eyes on me. And then, while yelling into the churro, hello, what at all? Hello, what at all? Yes, the circus is in town. I then proceed to make a show of exploding into sparks, spelling out our circus name in wide, wide letters and then they sparks fall like petals as i reassemble into my little ball and poof disappear damn with the churro don't break a rule already <laughs> no the churro the churro the churro uh falls back to the ground <laughs> okay um i think i so okay damn okay that is i think that definitely has a a lot of people like <laughs> I, a lot of people were like going mid bite to eat, um, and I think you know what I didn't do. Um, I think that it is my job to like describe this, like the setting where this is happening a little more thoroughly. Mm -hmm. um, there is like just a lot of stuff here. There is definitely things as you described that would be considered sort of like fair food in human terms, mm -hmm. but there's also like entire stalls that are just like overflowing with fresh fruit. There is, um, there's actually, so 
Okay, I've got a big fat paragraph right here in the book under the Goblin Market section, which is part of why I'm so happy about getting this book. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and it does have a list um, under the additional imagery section that is related to food. Do you want me to just hit you with this? Go for it. Okay. Because there, as you're prancing about, these stalls have apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plump, unpecked cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom-down-cheeked peaches, swarthead and mulberries, wild free-born cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries, grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bullaces, Rare pears and green gauges, damsons and bilberries, currants and gooseberries, bright fire like barberries, figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, gold on the furs with that shakes in windy weather, copper on the heather, a golden curl, a precious golden lock, a tear more rare than pearl, honey, cow's milk, kneaded cakes of whitest wheat, churned butter, whipped up cream, a hen's egg, a silver penny. So, like, that's the sort of stuff that's getting, like, passed around stuff while you are doing this i feel like if this is like a little musical number going on in whatever sort of media this would be like these are things that are sort of like getting like like flung overhead as you're doing (laughs) this you know like for some reason the imagery that came to mind is like fucking like can't wait to be king from the lion king where there's like dancing around everything's going on in the background and (laughs) Yeah, that all happens. And I think, like, as soon as you disappear, like, there's sort of, like, a pause, and then, like, the goblin who is manning the churro stand just scrambles over and, like, picks the churro up and, like, dusts it off and goes back (laughs) to their stand. And And everyone claps. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone claps. There's definitely people who are, like, like, looking very interestedly at the flyers (laughs) and stuff you have left behind. Um... And let's see, I think this episode is about to end right here because I wasn't really aiming for over an hour and this feels like we have definitely set scenes very well. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is a, a particular closer that I do want to do. Let me just see if I can pick out someone in particular. Um, I think that, again, I'm not entirely sure what kind of media this is all taking place in. Um but I think that, like, as you disappear and after, like, the churro thing happens, uh, we sort of pan over to one of the various, like, sort of haphazard seating arrangements that are here. And um, there's someone who is wearing this very, like, plain uh, brown cloak, and it doesn't pan up all the way to their face, but we see them... Uh, bend down and pick up one of the leaflets and you sort of see like just below someone's eyes you see this um immaculately almost preternaturally um pale and dainty face um as uh these equally um pale and dainty, dainty hands, uh, peel a sim- single grape and place it into their mouth as they read the flyer. And who this could possibly be and what else could possibly happen from uh, these various goings-on at the Goblin Market, you will have to find out next time on Big Gay Nerds. Ooh, exciting. Yes. yes. 
Big Gay Nerds is made possible by our Patreon supporters. We would like to give special thanks to Alexander Messick, Kelvin Cox, Evelyn Nadia DuPont, Frank L., Giraffe Scarves, Jack Toops, Jarnope, John the Book Hoarder, Lori Dean, Lucas Bell, MC Verdandi, Nyan Hellcat, Ollie, Patrick Moore, Udon Bullets, Thor Holmquist, and Trash Hime. If you would like to join their ranks and gain access to special content, simply visit us at patreon.com slash biggaynerds and donate at the Lauded Gay Nerds tier. If you'd like to support us for free, spread the word on social media. We're at Big Gay Nerds Cast on Twitter and just Big Gay Nerds on Tumblr and Facebook.